Hello everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Dollars and Cents Sports Podcast. The Dollars and Cents Sports Podcast, as I put extra emphasis on that, is because I run a sports blog called the Dollars and Cents Sports Blog, which basically talks about the business side of sports, so you'll see a lot of contract talks, things of that nature that maybe the average fan doesn't see from time to time, and we we do our best to try to educate people on that aspect of all the major sports. So we have a lot of fun on the blog, and we hope to have a lot of fun here on the podcast, as it is the very first one, the inaugural Dollars and Cents Sports Podcast. It's going to have some fun. We're going to have some good time. We're going to talk some sports, and it feels good to say that we're going to talk some sports because it's great to see the, all the sports leagues are coming back and today on the show we will actually go in depth about uh, the sports leagues all the uh, other sports leagues that are restarting currently so with, uh, on, also on the show we're going to talk about a few of the few of the past contracts that, that have been signed we're going we're gonna to go back to that contract Dak Prescott and his contract situation. We're going to expand also on the Patrick Mahomes contract that was signed a lot earlier in the year. We're going to go over Cam Newton with the Patriots. See how he's going to do over there, how he's going to be a good fit there, and if he's going to fight off Jared Stidham. There's going to be a fierce competition there, and it may not be proven that Cam Newton could finish with that starting role. We're going to go over the Travis Kelsey and George Kittle extensions and also debate who is tight end 1 and 1A. And then we're going to do a couple, we're going to do some sports rankings of all the sports that are currently in the bubbles. You know, every, all, all the major sports leagues are in a singular location at the moment in Florida. So we're going to, we're going to take a look at who's doing what, who's doing a great job of pulling that off right now. I'm going to go to... The Dak, con- the Dak Prescott contract situation here, that's been a pretty hot topic uh, early in the year. And also, even now, uh, there's still contract talks. Uh, Dak Prescott will be playing on the franchise tag, presumably. Um, presumably, he shows up to camp and everything. But he will be on the franchise tag should he sign it for $31.5 million for the 20 20 season now there's been a lot of debate sparked on if he deserves a new contract which i don't think there's much debate on that and what Dak views himself as as far as a new contract situation and if the cowboys are truly the villains in all of this if they are the ones that may possibly think about moving on from Dak Prescott if that contract price that they feel is too high. So there is a lot to get into with that. Uh, personally, I think I think Dak, of all people, you, you have to do something with him. Now, I understand viewing yourself in a certain kind of atmosphere and you should always value yourself not only as a human being but as a high-powered athlete um, uh, Dak Prescott has been one of the more successful quarterbacks in the NFL um, 
not a not a very good season from a team standpoint last year. Um, finishing at eight and eight, um, despite uh, Dak Prescott putting up some pretty pretty serviceable numbers, had a very hot start to the beginning of the year. Uh, even even was talked about in MVP discussions. Um, those kind of tailed off quickly at the end of the year. But as someone who was a fourth round pick for Dak Prescott to be in this situation, I think is a win in itself, first first and foremost. Coming out of Mississippi State in uh, 2016, he was on a four-year, $2.7 million contract. So to go from Let's go from around 680,000 in average salary to 31 and a half or so million. That's pretty good. It's uh, a hell of a pay raise, first of all. So I'm sure any anyone would be pretty happy with that. But also, Dak has has been pretty successful as the Cowboys quarterback. Um, he's He's definitely earned it. He's he's 40 and 24 as a quarterback. He's got a great record. Already at 15,000 passing yards for his entire career, 97 touchdowns, 36 interceptions in his career. So he's very apt at taking care of the ball. So with those numbers, you I mean many teams would kill for those kinds of numbers at the quarterback position however we, we th you think you thought last year would be probably the year that the Cowboys ascend a little further than what they've done so far um, I mean you have Dak literally having a career year 30 touchdowns 11 interceptions almost 5,000 passing yards and still 8 and 8 record now, understandably so, uh, Dak lost every game with a team with an above 500 record. So, probably the argument is, well, they beat the stuffing out of all the bottom feeder teams, but struggled against the top teams, struggled against playoff contending teams. and. It is a fair analysis at the end of the day. What stuck out to me the most was the Buffalo game um, at home. Uh, they lost 26 to 15. Uh, that goes 32 49 for 355 yards and two touchdowns, but it never looked like they were particularly in the game. Uh, granted, Buffalo has a very good aggressive defense. And it's fair to say most quarterbacks would struggle against them, and that's perfectly fine. But you talk about a quarterback that beat the Giants week one, uh, beat the Washington football team in week two, and beat a Dolphins team in week three that really couldn't particularly find their footing in the rest of the season. Well, this was when the MVP talk starts, and you you beat three very bottom feedery teams, 
then you go into New, you go uh, to New Orleans and really lay a flat egg there. Uh, you host, you host the Packers. Another huge game. You lose that 24-34. And then, let me take that back as far as the game that sticks out to me the most was the Bills' loss. The Jets' loss was the one that really, really kind of kind of put the icing on the cake there as far as what is really going on with this team as they lost 22-24 and looked just absolutely flushed out there and I think after that week you feel okay something's not right with this team if not something's not right with Dak Prescott so after that you go you go have a game with the Philadelphia Eagles and by all means you dominate them uh, Dak has a solid game uh, 77% completion uh, one touchdown one interception but the team completely flushed them and then you, you beat the Giants again um, you win your division games that's what you should do that's what you get paid to do you win your division games but you go on another three-game losing streak with a loss to the Patriots, the Bills, the aforementioned Bills loss, and then you lose to the Chicago Bears, and then you finish the season eight and eight, even though you had a career year. So I think under any other circumstance, under regular circumstances. This is a contract that gets signed, sealed, delivered, no problem. If if the Cowboys make a playoff run, a deep playoff run, this whole Dak contract story probably isn't even a thing. We, we probably won't even be talking about it because Dak's going to probably sit on $150 million or whatever is the going rate outside of the Patrick Mahomes contract that that we're going to talk about later outside of that particular contract a normal contract be around 150 million that would that would have been the case with Dak Prescott but here we are at a I don't want to say a weird stalemate but for a quarterback with those kind of numbers that is truly a franchise quarterback it is a weird stalemate the thing is we don't know what what side it's coming from whether it's it's Dax camp feeling that he's valued at a certain that may or may not be fair or if it's the Cowboys playing hardball and the Cowboys historically pay their players. I mean, they don't they don't really play cheap ball when it comes to paying high-level players. Um, and they've also been pretty pretty transparent of uh, as there were reports that they offered him 105 million guaranteed with 33 million a year. Now, if that's what the Cowboys are saying and they're 
there hasn't been particularly a denial from you know Dak's side so apparently it it's true and I don't think that's something that the Cowboys would particularly lie about you know as much as it's fun to rip on the Cowboys and it is very fun I get it but this is a situation where it doesn't really benefit them to lie so I can believe that they offered him that kind of a contract and that's really where I had that around that 35 million range so it could be it could be Dak side maybe they want more and I never particularly blame a player for wanting to push the leverage you know push his chances because when you gamble on yourself in sports sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and this is one of those scenarios where Dak feels if I push I could potentially win and that win could be 40 million dollars a year once again Jerry Jones historically pays its his players and pays them very handsomely I mean there are a lot of people that criticized Tony Romo for the longest took care of him the Demarcus Ware made a lot. Um, they signed Amari Cooper, who had a much maligned couple of years, but ended up being Dak's best target. Um, signed signed Demarcus Lawrence, you know, one of the NFL's most premier pass rushers. Signed them to a, a huge $100 million contract. So. In my assertion, it's not particularly the Cowboys trying to play hardball, but also having an eight and eight season when you put up the numbers that Dak has put up. It it's a cause for not particularly concern, but it's a cause for okay. Let's wait and see now what what truly happens because. It's tough to argue with having a career year and not at the quarterback position with you know which is your most important position on the field. And those numbers are not 8 and 8 quarterback numbers, but you know, one man, I get it. It's a team sport. I get it. I get it. But you put him on any other team I mean you, you take him to Jacksonville he puts up those numbers that's probably not an 8-8 eight and eight kind of team so at at the end of the day something has to give and something will give the, the Cowboys have some good leverage right now offering them that franchise tag and that's what the franchise tag is designed to do to give you a year of biding time and I'm pretty sure the Cowboys don't want to go the what I call the Kirk Cousins route where you franchise them franchise tag them twice and the second franchise tag gets a little more expensive than that first one and by a little I mean a lot more expensive uh, Kirk Cousins made 60 million dollars basically in two years because the Washington football team franchised them twice and 
they still never came to a contract agreement and he leaves and goes to the Minnesota Vikings where he ends up with 33 more million because he basically walked in and said hey thank you may I have more of that guaranteed money you guys got there and he gets it from what it seems is that if if they don't agree on a number outside of next year and what's going on next year especially with the quarterback draft as far as guys like Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields once again Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick so they struck lightning in a bottle with him and the Cowboys seem certain on feeling that they can do that again whether it's whether it's plausible or not it seems that's what they want to do if they can't come to agreement after the franchise tag year and especially if the Cowboys either go either get maybe first rounded or don't make the playoffs entirely if they repeat another 8 and 8 season then we could see Dak Prescott at another location and teams will need a quarterback especially with uh, Dak Prescott's production and the Cowboys may decide to go back in the draft maybe look at Justin Fields who probably who probably will be a little later down the line as far as as far as the drafty maybe not pick 20 but I mean, if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, they will more than likely pick in the top 10 or Justin Fields could reasonably reasonably be there. Um, Not to mention, they did sign Andy Dalton for one year as kind of a possible insurance play if things with Dak Prescott take a little longer than anticipated if he didn't sign the franchise tag and it could have been possible that they actually go into the season with Andy Dalton. Also, at the end of the day, you need good backup play anyway, and the Cowboys haven't particularly had that. So no matter what, they needed someone like Andy Dalton on the roster, whether it's because of Dak maybe not showing up, maybe holding out, not signing that franchise tag, or they just need a really good backup in general. I mean. Uh, Dak Prescott's been relatively healthy, but it's the NFL. You never know what will happen. There's been a lot of guys that could never get hurt until, unfortunately, God forbid, it happens. So it's a it's a great play either way. But they will have to figure something out eventually because seeing seeing as seeing as though how this year will play out. Once again, if they don't get the desired result, they may move on from Dak Prescott. You know, hey, thank you for all that you've done. But, you know, the Cowboys, I don't think we'll have a room for you here, especially at the price that you want. Some of this could be caused by a Patrick Mahomes contract, which we'll get into that 
Patrick Mahomes. When I didn't know this was even possible, a 10-year, $450 million contract. Now, as far from the Dak Prescott side, I don't know if he saw that and did the whole, hey, I'm going to be the guy that plays the later con instead of the, I'm, you know, this guy's better than me, quote-unquote, route. And all contracts aren't built the same, basically. All contract situations are not the same. It is true, there there are a lot of quarterbacks that may not be as quote-unquote good, but they just so happen to sign their contract a little later. So they take advantage of, you know, the whole last assigned routine and use that to parlay a higher number. You, you, know, you see, and this is not saying that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers aren't good enough. Clearly, they are. I mean, they're two of the most successful quarterbacks in the history of the sport. Um, but you look at guys like maybe a Carson Wentz, um, a guys like a Jared Goff, who's come under a lot of scrutiny. You know, they were able to parlay what another quarterback signed for and use that to kind of leapfrog into their next contracts regardless of if they were quote unquote better than that guy but you look at a situation like a Patrick Mahomes it's going to a 10 year 450 million dollar contract that that will run them that will run them around 40 40 so a year basically and most of it is in guarantees but that could be looking at that as a reason of hey he got this so and I'm really good so I should get this and that may not be the case but it is a common practice and if it's a strategy that Dak wants to use he has a right to use it doesn't mean it will work but it's it's worked for people before but also how many times are you going to see a 10 year 450 contract and you won't hear any argument because it is Patrick Mahomes and there is no quarterback I don't think in the history of the game and I wasn't alive during the figure out if Bart Starr and those guys did it but there's never I don't think there's been a quarterback that's achieve not only on the field prowess as far as being a pro bowler being an NFL MVP and winning the Super Bowl all in your first three years your first two years of officially being a starter your first two years unheard of unheard of so I don't think no one particularly particularly batting an eye when Patrick Mahomes signs this particularly in the state of football a lifetime contract I mean 10 years even though the quarterback position I mean Tom Brady for the Buccaneers I mean Tom Tom's 58 years old and he's still playing which means that you you could see you know God forbid nothing happens you could see 
Patrick Mahomes finish out that 10-year contract and parlay it into a six-year contract. These quarterbacks are playing until 38 and 40 nowadays. So Mahomes could reasonably reasonably play out this entire $450 million contract. Because, I mean, you you think someone's going to cut him? I surely don't think so. Uh, I mean, he's too good. He's he's your face of the franchise. And at the end of the day, no other quarterback, especially in French in Chiefs franchise history, and they've had some solid quarterbacks. They've they've also had some not so solid quarterbacks. But this guy is the greatest quarterback in Chiefs history. And we could be looking at him as one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, period. And this is the only time I've ever seen a contract of this size in any sport. Maybe the exception of Mike Trout with the Los Angeles Angels. But this is the only time I've ever seen this kind of contract and it not even be debated. Because it's Patrick Mahomes. And at the end of the day, he's not just brought value to the Chiefs, but he's brought value to the entire NFL as arguably the face of the NFL because he already plays a position where you're the face of the company. Everyone digs the quarterbacks. Everyone wants to be a quarterback. A great quarterback uplifts the franchise. And Patrick Mahomes has done it at an incredible in an incredible amount of time. So let's just let's just dive right in into it per se. So Petron's 10 years, 450 million. The signing bonus isn't particularly large at 10 million, but his average salary is 45 million. And here's the Here's the one right here. His total guarantees in the life of the contract will end up being 141 million. Now, at the signing of the contract, he will be guaranteed 63 million. So, so there's that. And this is actually a very well-designed contract as I look at it now. This is a incredible contract from a mutual perspective because if we go into the 2020 season if we go into the 2020 season now he's actually still on a pretty low low number at 825 base salary uh 4 million sign signing bonus but then we go once 2021 kicks in it 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 is once again, that base salary is really low. Now, the reason why he'll be making a pretty low base salary because the base salary counts against the team's salary cap. So it's definitely in their best interest to get that number low. The, his base salary doesn't get high until 2027, will, where he'll be making 10, 10 million uh, over the life of the season. Now, you look at the 2021 season, 
his base salary is 990000 So, once again, pretty low. Very manageable. Uh, signing bonus, uh, $2 million, once again. Very manageable. And then his roster bonus is approximately $21 million, basically. Now, you will see a lot of these contracts. And you will see a lot of that money uh, be funneled into the bonus sides of the contract because the bonus sides they they don't count against the team's salary cap and you know if you're over the salary cap you can't sign you know players so the only time the bonuses take effect as far as counting against the salary cap is if the player gets cut and because those bonuses, those workout bonuses, signing bonuses, that is guaranteed. You have to, you have to give them that value. You have to give them that money, unless they do something very wild off the field that they definitely shouldn't be doing, you know. And that's a whole different discussion. But you look at those bonuses this is where this is where the value of the contract gets tied up in because you look at you look at 2022 uh one and a half million base salary two million signing bonus 27 million on the roster bonus and probably should have said this earlier the roster bonus basically all that means is if he's on the roster at the the year start date then he will be paid that 21 million all you have to do is just show up and clock in basically and boom 21 million dollars i'm sure we all wish we can do that with our regular jobs but this guy isn't a regular guy <laughs> so 20 so he he will get that 20 27 million 2022 2023 that the roster bonus shoots up to 34 million then 34 million again in that next week and the roster bonus actually gets as high as 49 million in that 2027 season where not only he'll make that 10 million dollars in that base salary but he will Get that 49.4 million dollars in that roster bonus so that'll bring him to 59 million basically in that one year and i am pretty sure the chiefs have no plans on cutting him so he will realistically play out this entire contract he he will more than likely the value of the entire 450 million dollar contract because no team is just gonna just get rid of their franchise player un unless they're ridiculously old at the time but no 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 franchise is just gonna chuck a player you know out at his peak basically because when this contract is over when this contract is over in 2032, Patrick Mahomes will be an agent at 36 years old, which is still 
I mean, Aaron Rodgers is around that same age, 36 years old. He's still due for another three years if every, you know, if everything is normal. You know, he doesn't get catastrophically hurt, things of that nature. If he has a healthy career, his contract ends at 36, which means he's liable to sign for possibly three more years. Three more years at 100 million. And we're talking 10 years down the line. So the the value of quarterbacks continue to. So in 2032, we may see a contract with him that's a three-year 180 million dollar contract something where he's making 50 60 million dollars a year it's not outside the realm of possibility because i don't think if we talk about maybe 15 years ago i don't think no one would have foresaw these kind of these kinds of numbers no one would have foresaw this because if anything the quarterbacks were not the highest paid players on the team around 15 20 years or so ago were they did they still carry a lot of importance yes but generally you had you had your running backs uh, making a good bit and your left tackles and left guards you know, your guards in general your linemen were generally the highest paid players on the team around that time now you see a lot of value into the quarterbacks because the game has shifted now to where it is built around passing you have to have a at least a solid enough quarterback in this day and age if you're gonna have any shot at winning because when you look at the bad teams that are in the nfl what's the common denominator they don't have good quarterback play so now you see how in demand these guys are now and they're getting paid. They're rightfully getting paid. And you see Patrick Mahomes now, which is why you see his 10-year, $450 million contract. And once again, no one bats an eye because it's Patrick Mahomes. And many franchises, any franchise in the NFL, would kill for that kind of production, for those kind of accolades that he's brought to the team in just two full years as a starter. I mean, who would in their right mind, and I don't think the Chiefs are a particular franchise that makes awful decisions uh, more so than other franchises. I don't think they're a franchise that would do that. So we're going to see Patrick Mahomes in a Chiefs uniform throughout the entire life of this contract. Um, speaking of quarterbacks as well, uh, Cam Newton, a former Panthers, Panthers quarterback, has found a new home with the New England Patriots after they moved on from Tom Brady and he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in the offseason. And while we are on the subject quarterbacks, uh, it's fair to wonder how Cam Newton will do. Um, he's been through a string of injuries um, a lot of which involving his shoulder and then you know missing some time due to his foot he aggravated a foot injury uh, in week two last season from the Buccaneers and ended up missing the entire season 
uh, he's been through the foot injury, uh, the shoulder injury. He's he's been pretty, he's been pretty beaten down. He play plays a very physical style of football, but probably argued a necessary style of football as uh, the offense is very dynamic because of his ability to run and be a tough guy to bring down. Um, granted, it did come at a heavy expense to his health. His passing, uh, per se, has never been the most polished. Uh, it was 59.6% completion of his career. Uh, had a season where he actually only completed 52% of his passes, which is extremely dreadfully low. And he had 510 passing attempts. Uh, 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, not particularly a great year. Now, this was after a year in 2015. He, The team went 15-1. and one. He was the NFL MVP. Goes to the Super Bowl. Goes 35-10. and 10, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year. 59% uh, completion percentage. But they they scored a lot of points. They were the top offense in the league at the time. And then the immediate next year, that's when you have that 52% completion percentage year. So his his passing never was the most particularly polished, but his ability to run really truly kept him in a lot of games. Now, you, you're already in a very tough division when he was with the Panthers. You're already in a very tough division with the Saints, the Falcons, and even the Buccaneers at times. But... So he soldiered through, uh, fought hard. Some, sometimes it wasn't really enough. You had a lot of seasons with the Panthers where you'd have the 15-1 season, the 6-8 and eight season uh, next after that. In 2017, they go 11-5. And, and then the next season after that, 6-8. and eight. And then the 2019 season, that's when he subsequently uh, gets hurt and has to miss 14 games basic, basically the entire season. So, you know, Cam, Cam really, really stuck it through and really put his body on the line a ton and really didn't miss the amount of games someone would for the amount of injuries he's been through. He's really only, he's really only missed around, uh, around five games or so before the 2019 season but he was very beat up throughout the entire throughout his entire career because of his propensity to run and be big and be tough and not particularly he's not particularly a I'm gonna run out of bounds kind of guy he's 6'6 250 ish pounds played at 260 at one point big guy so tackling him is probably more of a chore than you might think, but he did. He did sacrifice himself, and things things didn't work out for the Panthers. So he he joins the Patriots. He joins the New England Patriots in the off season. He'll look to kind of restart his career. Um, I mean, he, he's he's only he's only around 30, 30 31 or so. Thirty one. So. In a sense, he's still pretty young. I'm, 
I, I highly doubt we will see, you know, 2015, uh, 2011 Rookie of the Year uh, Cam Newton. Definitely, we definitely won't see 35 touchdown Cam Newton in the 2015 season because I don't think it's really promised that he'll win the starting job. Starting job. I mean, granted, you know, he's done a lot. You know, he's he's had a, a good, solid career. Um, he's had a very successful career. He was, a, you know, all pro. He's been the MVP. I mean, he was a former NFL MVP. Though those don't just grow on trees. I mean, you have to be pretty good to to win to be the best player in the entire league. So no one no one's taking that from him. And also, not to mention, you know, led his team to the Super Bowl in that 2015 year, where where they would unfortunately lose to Peyton Manning, but actually the Broncos defense <laughs> but it that's also something very very hard to do is to be the the best team in your entire conference one to be one of the best teams in the NFL and Cam Newton did that but also this was 2015 we're talking five years ago I don't know I don't know how many times we really give any quarterback credit from five years ago or so I mean if it's not gonna work for Joe Flacco and he actually won a Super Bowl we can't do it with Cam Newton unfortunately as dynamic as he once was as exciting as he once was we can't say well he's going to win the job because he was the MVP five years ago that's not how that works uh, now you can make the argument in 2018 he he was a solid passer I mean he completed 67% of his passes uh, 24 touchdowns 13 interceptions so from a passing standpoint pretty pretty solid serviceable but he also had a 6-8 record at the time and missed those last two games because of his shoulder and then I believe he had the car wreck around that time as well. So even with his solid passing numbers, the team still wasn't particularly very good. You know, I do understand the defense, more or less the secondary, took a huge step back at the time. But we we can't say Cam Newton is going to be a amazing quarterback with the Patriots because he was really good five years ago. When people say the NFL is a what have you done for me lately league and and, and that's all sports. Let's not just limit it to the NFL. I apologize. But sports is a what have you done for me lately and most people don't even get credit for, five, for, for last year much less five years ago. We can't look at him and say that's the exact same quarterback because it's not he's been through a lot then and this isn't me particularly doubting cam newton but it's me saying let's probably like temper expectations i'm i'm sorry to give the boring answer to this but let's kind of slow down 
And let's hope he even beats Jared Stidham because Jared Stidham was a pretty solid quarterback at, at Auburn. At least they do have that in common, him and Cam Newton, that they both went to Auburn. But Jared Stidham, for the lack of NFL experience that he does have, he was solid enough at or at Auburn to warrant a fourth-round selection. So they've invested something in Jared Stidham, and he is a cheaper option than what Cam Newton is, and he also has a a season of experience in that system under his belt. Now, while I think Cam Newton will win the job, of, of course, um, I just think he's just a better quarterback than Jared Stidham. You know, either way, it, we, we can't, it, I can't really have the confidence in saying that as a straight out passer, one, I don't think Cam, Cam Newton doesn't even, he doesn't even fit the scheme of that offense as much as it's apropos to really doubt Bill Belichick, but I don't know if Belichick would know how to use a guy like Cam Newton. I mean, when you've had a guy like Brady for basically 20 or so years and you're switching to a quarterback of an entirely different style, different kind of scheme to what he's used to, it's okay to not really know what to do with him and also not having the appropriate amount of practice, training time, especially with the coronavirus pandemic, not having that time to really gel and meet and figure some things out. You know, Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest coach in NFL history. So he knows what to do doesn't mean it'll work. And I think this is something that just may not work. And it's it's okay. It happens. Things happen. But I don't see this as a situation where Cam Newton is truly gonna is truly gonna just light it up out there. Especially in not the best scheme fit with the Patriots. The Patriots they have historically had pure drop back passers. Granted, Tom Brady took up almost 20 years of that whole thing. But I I don't see going from someone you've had your entire career and Tom Brady didn't exactly miss many games. You know, there was the season where he you know, tore his ACL and Matt Castle had to finish out the rest of the season. Patriots still went 11-5 but missed the playoffs. Which that stat always blows me away that the Patriots one missed the playoffs, two any team in general would go 11 and five and not be in the playoffs. That tells you how good the AFC was at the time, and and that division. And Cam, you know, Cam Newton has been all over social media. Basically, you know, he's he's going at the doubters, he's going at the haters. And if that motivates you, 
if that can motivate him, then great. Then that's great. I want to see him be great. I want to see him get back to that 2015 form. But I think it's more harmful to have those kinds of expectations of someone that they aren't in the position to achieve. If we're really going to look at Cam Newton and say he's going to be a touchdown passer, we've also little to no passing weapons out there. These are, I mean, these are weapons that Brady struggled with. So now you're looking at a guy who's coming in first season overall with no familiarity with the team culture, the team scheme, not even a team that you really play that much against. So you're looking at a lot of unfamiliarity and couple that with not being the most polished passer in general and now we're expecting a huge season out of Cam Newton. Cam Newton expects a huge season out of him but also anyone would expect a huge season out of themselves. You're not going to find too many people that would just say, well, I don't know, I don't think I'm going to do that good. Maybe they won't outright say that they're going to have a great season. Maybe they'll see, say the usual cliche, well, we'll just see how things turn out. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll just take it a week to week at a time. And that's, that's the Patriot way, in a sense. Hey, we'll, we'll worry about next week. We'll, we'll take it a day at a time. We're on the Cincinnati. That's the Patriot way. And nothing and nothing's wrong with it. So it's okay to temper, re, have realistic expectations for a quarterback that's been battered and bruised and has a huge unfamiliarity with the coach, the scheme that may not fit him properly. Once again, not being the most polished passer, but it's also okay to root for him and hope it happens. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I like being wrong about these kinds of things because you never want a. I never want to see a great athlete or anyone of that nature fail. Like you don't root for people to fail, but sometimes stating the obvious is the exactly that stating the obvious. Now, from a financial perspective, it's. I mean. You, you definitely do it from a from a contract perspective it's an absolute steal talking about a former MVP on a one year 1.75 million dollar contract with a 550,000 signing bonus of course you take the chance Especially when you can get him for that kind of money, that's that's basically stealing. That, that that's stealing. Now it's pretty incentive. It's pretty incentive heavy. Um, if he plays ninety percent of the snaps and gets to the playoffs, the contract goes up to three point seven five million. Even just playing ninety percent of the snaps gets him at two point two five million. Um, he makes if he does make the Pro Bowl, that's an extra five hundred thousand. 
the incentives are there. But when, but when you're talking going from five years, 103 million, averaging 20 a year, to 1.1 million on the entire year, then it, it's definitely a humbling experience. And we're going to take a look at Jared Stidham here because I feel like even from his. Be at eight hundred thirty-three thousand. Um, once again, pretty low, low pick, pretty low pick. So that contract's pretty much in range right there. But when the fourth round pick barely makes under what you make, great if you're the team because it's a huge buy low incentive. If Cam Newton turns it around completely. Then hey, you didn't you didn't break the bank. You know, you, you didn't have to break the bank. And you're getting some great value. You know, out of someone you didn't pay 20, 30 million dollars for tied up your salary cap room. He'll be great. Probably probably not. I think the best he can do is just be solid. Just be a solid Cam Newton. Don't have to worry about being a great Cam Newton. Let's talk about another position. Let's talk about the tight end position because it's been one of the more exciting debates in the football world is who's the best tight end in the NFL? And you, you basically you basically have three options. You have Travis Kelsey, you have Zach Ertz, and you have the newly signed, newly minted George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers who signed a huge five-year 75 million million dollar contract and there's there's been a lot of debate one of the hot topics was who's the best tight end in the game and i will say this george kittle solely on the fact that i think the biggest common denominator here the biggest dividing factor here is the fact that his blocking is incredible i mean you can find it on YouTube. You will fi probably find a compilation of George Kittle completely mauling grown men on run, run blocks. It's amazing. It's a beautiful artistry. And he comes from Iowa where if you don't block, you probably don't play. So he comes from a great system that emphasizes, that emphasizes blocking from the tight end position. But he's also an incredible incredible receiver with back-to-back a thousand yard seasons in 2018 he had 1300 receiving yards from the tight end position average 15 yards a catch almost 16 yards a catch we're a little low at five but once again tight end position you basically are going to have to get what you can get uh, followed up with and as a 1,000 yard campaign with also five touchdowns again only played 14 games though we missed a missed a couple games so there's that so he was incredible he's been incredible and pretty deserving of that it's a difference in not only the passing game but in the run game as well 
when he peels out on a lot of those outside runs, generally you see him clearing a lot of space for, for those outside runners. 75 million will bring around around 15 million a year. Guaranteed set up at 40 million a year gets 30 million at signing. I don't think no one can argue that he's a guy that definitely uh, should be paid. And the 49ers did a great job of of assessing that. Uh, you look at Travis Kelsey. A lot of guys would say he is arguably the best tight end in the NFL. And I don't think that's a terrible answer as well. Seven years now, he's definitely had the body of work because he, his receiving work is just bar none. I don't think people, I don't think we need to elaborate on how good Travis Kelsey is. I think it's something people, people generally, I mean, he's been one of the best tight ends in the NFL, especially without Gorkowski now kind of being at the at the top of the league and even then people were still voting for Travis Kelsey as the best tight end in the NFL he he's a game he's a true game changer and he sits on still a four-year 57 million dollar contract that, that he signed that he signed around 2016 so he he signed a four-year, fifty-seven million dollar extension. Excuse me, uh, it is an extension from the five-year, forty-six million dollar contract he currently signed in twenty sixteen. So that that just pretty much added on to the to the remaining two years contract. So you look at two guys, two big-time guys, well, that definitely definitely earn the money that they signed for because no one's going to argue their productivity and Travis Kelsey he I mean he has a Super Bowl now could George Kittle eventually get one maybe the 49ers are a team you know they're not a one team wonder I think eventually they'll find their way back to the Super Bowl their defense is incredible they have a serviceable enough quarterback they have a really good head coach in Kyle Shanahan so they have the pieces the division is tough their Super Bowl run and we could potentially see George Kittle with that elusive Super Bowl because you look at Travis Kelsey and the third piece that was mentioned before in Zach Ertz he has a Super Bowl ring it leaves George Kittle as the odd man out but I do believe he will get one if all right. All right. As we wind down, start to wind down the show now, we're going to kind of take a break from football and we're actually going to go through a few of the other sports leagues at the moment. So due to the coronavirus pandemic, as you can see, the entire sports landscape has changed. So the sports that are starting back up, they will be in a quote-unquote bubble basically meaning everyone's playing their games at a central location no fans basically everyone is playing uh at the worldwide sports complex with, uh, with basketball and a place very beautiful 
beautiful uh, location. Um, it's the the Disney complex is very great to mention. They added on a lot more. It's basketball. They added a lot more courts. There's a ton of soccer fields there for the MLS. They've done a great job, and a lot of respect needs to go out to these guys and girls that are putting together in a very short amount of time as well these uh, bubble as aspects and these things are not cheap you know these things are not cheap a lot of financial backing had to go into a lot to make these leagues happen you look at, at the fact that these leagues will have no fans so they won't bring in that ticket revenue that gate revenue a lot of these teams or a lot of these leagues are depending on having these games on TV with these TV rights deals because they the fans won't be there so they're really putting a lot on the line just having these sports run and then you have to factor in the cost of these hotels housing all the players to put in these hotels and you have multiple teams you know live teams of 20 or so players coaches staff there's a huge amount of teamwork that goes into this and a lot of groundwork to make these things happen so a lot of respect to the non-athletes that maybe you don't really see the the work that that they have to do to make sure we are able to enjoy sports again so a big big shout out to them so what we're going to do here on the dollars and cents sports podcast we're actually going to rank how well these sports are doing with these bubble formats and how well they look now as they've started back up so we're gonna we're gonna look at baseball we're gonna look at the WNBA MLS and the NBA um with the NFL since they haven't started yet we won't include them there will um the NHL won't be on the NHL won't be particular on this list but they are in a Canadian bubble but so they're more of our honorable mention here they're actually doing a very good job of uh, bringing the NHL back for the playoffs it's been some very exciting hockey I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan I have absolutely nothing to root for in this equation but the fact that they are able to have things rolling again is a is a great thing so my last place spot on this list will go to Major League Baseball solely on the fact that they actually aren't in a bubble. Um, they are business as normal. They are traveling. They are going on the road. And unfortunately, it's led to a lot of uh, positive cases now. You've actually had multiple games being postponed because a lot of the staff and players we're having positive tests now. The the Yankees and Mets series has just been postponed because 
few couple staff members, couple players, uh, ended up testing positive for the coronavirus. So, unfortunately, that is the risk that you will have to take in this in this climate now, because the bubble aspect has been shown to work, and it has worked. And we'll dive into that with our other sports now. They've altered to altered the schedule to where these these play these teams will be playing their division opponents only, but you still have to factor in the travel. You still have to factor in the fact that it we're still open. You're still going to be around people. You're you're not being very isolated, and we've already seen that happen now with. The Cleveland Indians, with with a uh, uh, Clevelander and Plesac, uh, they they've had to quarantine now because they were out and about when they should have been in the team hotel. You know they they tested negative, but now it's kind of put a dent into the team relationships now. Fortune really risked risked a lot, especially the fact that. You have teams like the St. Louis Cardinals who haven't really been able to even play a full slate of their games because they've had so many positive tests running around that they can't really play. Uh, the Miami Marlins had a very rough start to their season with a few of their games being postponed and they had a very late start to their season. The Yankees as well. So you look at a lot of these teams that were that are being hit hard by the virus, and to the point where Commissioner Rob Manfred almost, almost pretty much thought about canceling the season, and and I think that possibility is still on the table. Now, uh, baseball is playing a condensed schedule. They will be playing 60 games this year, so that may possibly speed up the process maybe kind of mitigate that risk by hoping that hoping that the season kind of ends shorter but you will see a lot more double headers you know a lot of more packed scheduling because of these positive tests and a lot of these postponements so you could argue that yes the season will be shorter but it might be artificially longer because you're you're having to cancel games because you are in a unbubbled environment and you're you're practicing you're basically out and about in a non-bubble format. So we will see how the season goes and if they are able to complete their season including the playoffs. All right. My number 3 team will be my number three league will be the WNBA, actually. Um, the WNBA will also dub the Wubble, as in the women's bubble. They have they are back in action, and they are currently in in the Disney bubble. So they, they've done a pretty good job of putting, putting together their league. And it's actually great also that they've not had any positive tests since their season began which will be a very shortened season they'll be playing 22 games but so far things have worked out 
very well with with their season. Although it's not, you know, you know, a lot of reports from the players, you know, they they aren't particularly enjoying the bubble, but it's it's something. You know, I grant you know that a lot of people probably aren't enjoying the bubble. You kind of had a lot of this with the NBA players as well, but the plan is is working you know knock on wood that things stay exactly the way they are but unfortunately if anything the injury bug is more of the problem because you have you have your biggest stars in uh, Brianna Stewart who who's just working her way back and Sue Bird, yeah, two, two of your big stars. They struggled with injury. Uh, Diana Taurasi, you know, also, you know, kind of working her way back from injury as well. Um, and now, you look at you look at a young budding star like Sabrina Ionescu, who is probably going to miss the year um, due to her ankle. Uh, Elena Deladon. Has been having some trouble with injuries as well, so it's not more so the virus that's really affecting the team. It's just pretty much the natural, the natural circuit of the the game itself as far as injuries are concerned. But they, but they are the women are doing a great job of keeping their league together, of uh, and really muscling through through these times. So knock on wood, things if things will kick off no problem, and they're continue they will continue to enjoy the season. All right, my number two team is Major League Soccer. Um, soccer is back. The MLS is back. So they had the MLS is back tournament, which when you get a you get a birth into the CONCACAF League and here's the kicker while the the Major League Soccer is back tournament was a great great kind of introduction to what sports will look like now in the bubble format that wasn't even the regular season they managed to put on a tournament just a tournament which originally I thought was the actual regular season and it, it was just going to be a tournament to decide who was going to win the entire thing no that's actually birth into the CONCACAF league you know if you win the tournament which uh, the Portland Timbers won the entire tournament by beating uh, Orlando SC you know while may maybe soccer isn't the biggest thing in America a lot of these leagues honestly took notes from MLS because it was one of the one of the kind of early bubble experiments that maybe flew under the radar but it did provide a sufficient enough blueprint to where these other leagues kind of looked and say okay this could work i'm a soccer person i do you know i do watch and enjoy soccer so it was nice looking at the tournament 
but it was also crazy to figure out that that wasn't even the actual season they will be going forward fully with the major league season and they since they are able they deserve to have their season and it's it has been an incredible watch and I am excited to see how the regular season shapes up and they may get to the point where fans will possibly be able to attend games because once again they've done it the right way and when you do things the right way then you're able to reap those kind of rewards so we will see how the major league soccer season works out and you know god forbid they go without a hitch as well now it was a rough kind of start to the season yeah a team like like uh nashville sc and fc dallas unfortunately they did not make the tournament uh due to a lot of stuff going on with the coronavirus and their team they were hit pretty hard so they weren't able to attend but as this as the tournament went on they pretty much went through without any major hitches any positive tests that they did find uh, people were quarantined sufficiently and they handled it the right way so when you handle things the right way you in my mind you can do whatever you want at the end of the day and now, of course, the number one team that has handled their bubble situation correctly, no surprise, the NBA. Now, the NBA, including me, you know, they they had their fair share of detractors because they, they met with health officials and they took a huge risk from not only a societal perspective, but from a financial perspective as well and just the fact that trying to have people together in general is a risk in itself nowadays and commissioner adam silver really took that initial huge risk when people thought that it would not be enjoyable and that it was too much of a hassle to try to prevent positive tests and I was the first person, I was one of the first people to jump out and say, this is wrong, this is not going to work, The they should cancel the season because it's just not worth it to have to test so much. If you, if you leave the bubble and you have to quarantine, it's way too much. I don't think they should do it. And I will gladly say I was proven wrong. The NBA has done the best job out of all the sports leagues in putting together not only a safe program but a very enjoyable still to watch program I mean you you have a the bubble is probably more enjoyable than the actual regular playoff format that they the more exciting NBA seasons in the playoffs especially in the first round in years because you have no fans 
you know, and you have a lot of these teams that, you know, well, you have all the teams that have never been in this environment, but a lot of these teams that are dependent, you know, on these big market crowds, now they don't have that advantage. There is no home court advantage. It's, it's pretty much all straight basketball. It's in the advanced scrimmage. So you're going to see a lot of these teams, these surprise teams, put up insane point totals. You're going to see a lot of guys that you never heard of or barely hear from. They're going to be scoring a lot because this is a different environment from it's basically like it's basically practice for them you're going to see a lot of these guys that they shoot well in practice and during the game they don't you're going to find that that's not the case anymore because there's no crowd there's no outside noise now so they're more focused than ever and the nba has been the by far the most exciting thing to watch especially for a, a league that no one thought that in like, like I say including me I will take my fair share blame for this that no one thought could pull this off and they've done it they've done a tremendous job and they I know I said the MLS kind of helped set the blueprint the NBA completely set the blueprint on how to make the bubble format work because now you're going to you're going to see these teams now try to make the bubble work because of the amazing job that the NBA has done. Um, there's been no positive tests. Everyone's safe. The games have been exciting. You have some intriguing storylines like if the Portland Trailblazers Blazers can actually knock off the Los Angeles Lakers. You have a lot of these just intriguing teams to watch. You even have the the Nets are a pretty exciting watch. The Orlando Magic have have somewhat made themselves pretty relevant in these playoffs in the past couple years, or if making the playoffs at all, they they've put themselves on the map now. You, so you have a lot of guys that this bubble format has probably helped them play into a a new contract now. You never know what's going to happen after after this season now. But I definitely have to commend the NBA for the amazing job of now keeping players safe, putting forth the financial backing to make this happen. Because they know we have to get this season back rolling. And they've done a great job of basically shutting down the haters. Showing them that, no, this works and we made it work. And they truly made it work. Alright guys, and that is it for the Dollars and Cents Sports Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening, for supporting if you could give me all the feedback that you can remember this is from my house so i appreciate you all for working through all the technical stuff for having great reasonable expectations and just from taking time out of your busy day 
just to hear me ramble for an hour. So I appreciate you. Love you all. Please be safe out there and I will see you next time.